Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see so many faces here today. Because I believe today is a special day for certain people and for all of our ministry. Sorry. And, and you will get to find out what that special event is uh, very soon. Today I want to minister to you on the power and the value of relational discipleship. The power and the value of relational discipleship. I believe that the key to spiritual growth and maturity is relational discipleship. And I will explain during the course of my message. So, first of all, let me say that spiritual development is the theme and the pursuit of my focus this year. I've made it my personal pursuit and my focus to grow and develop spiritually for our entire spiritual family. Uh, I, I believe that the strongest and most dominant desire in my heart, especially in the later years, in the last two, three years, is to see our family grow and develop spiritually. Just as we develop physically, we can also develop spiritually. Just as we develop mentally, and we have some very high intellectual people, and that's wonderful, we can also develop spiritually. Would you say amen to that? And I also believe, and this is from the long experience of walking with God and walking with God's people, that the most, most of the problems and the struggles the church is challenged with find the roots in spiritual immaturity. You trace it back to spiritual immaturity. Every challenge, every, every struggle, every division, every, everything that is of the flesh that still lives very much within the church, you can trace it back to a lack of spiritual maturity. As a result, of course, God is unable to speak to us or work with us as he would, would work with spiritually mature people. And he can't, even though he desires and he wills to do and work great and mighty things, he's unable to do so because we have not reached the level where he is able to freely work through us the way he wants to. I, I, would you agree with that? Amen. Amen. To go to war, we need men and women who are spiritually developed. We cannot fight wars in the spirit with children or infants. 
Amen? So, because of it, God is unable to speak to us as He would with spiritually mature people. And Paul confirms that to the church in Corinth when he writes to them and he says the following from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. You can read it from the screen. And this is what he writes to them. He says, Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your life centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. I mean, he gives such a thorough explanation why he cannot address them as spiritually mature people. So as you can see, from Paul's writings, the church in Corinth was riddled with carnality. And Paul attributes that, of course, to their immaturity. Let me say this, spiritual immaturity. In other words, if we refuse to grow up spiritually, we will be led down a path of selfishness, selfish ambition, endless strife, breakup in relationships, and so many other manifestations of the flesh. We cannot just pray these things away, neither can we preach them away, and we ministers of the gospel need to understand that. This is not something we can just pray away. Prayer is good, and it has its place, but we need something much more than prayer. We cannot even preach these uh, immature attitudes of the, of, of the flesh from the pulpit, and I will explain. But we can grow out of them and out of childish behavior, so to speak, as we develop and mature. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You see, it's only when you become a man, when you grow up, that naturally you put those things away because you no longer think the way the world thinks. You're no longer dominated by the flesh or by your feelings or the five physical senses of the flesh. You are dominated by the Spirit of God, and you are led by the Spirit. That's why Scripture says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are, what? The sons of God. Sons speak of mature Adults, spiritual adults. 
And so it is with us. As we grow and become spiritually mature, we will put away those childish things and live a life that is worthy of the Lord's calling. I believe that the best and choicest blessings in Christ are reserved for those who have grown up spiritually. Do you agree with that? There are some things that God cannot impart to us because we are not that level. And what I found from my experience, many times believers pray for things that are on a higher level than where they are. And if God would give them those things, it could end up hurting them rather than blessing them. They can't manage them. Do you see where I'm coming from? So the only way to receive those things is to climb up to another level where those things are. And when you are raised to that spiritual level, you become like a magnet that naturally attracts all of the resources, all of the blessings, all of the connections that you need to fulfill the task that God has given you to to fulfill. They come naturally. They, They are drawn to you. Because you become a spiritual magnet that attracts the blessings of God. And that's what I've experienced in my own life. And that's what I desire for you and each and every member of our spiritual family to experience the same thing. The choicest and the most uh, wonderful blessings of Christ. Also, maturity is measured, listen carefully, It is measured and defined by the values you hold to and the attitude by which you express and communicate those values. How do you know when a person is spiritually mature? Look at what he values. That's how you measure spiritual maturity. It's the values you hold on to and the values you express through your attitude. Amen? Amen? Thank you. I got one amen. A mature person will hold to higher values than an immature person. My grandson, Andrea, is six years old. If I were to ask him, Andrea, what do you value most? Of everything that you can think of, what do you value most? He'll probably talk to me about a certain toy that he wants me to buy for him. And he set his heart on it, and he wants that toy. For him, that toy is the entire world. But when he reaches the age of a teenager, and he's 17, 18, and I were to ask him, Andrea, what do you value most? Probably he will say to me, Papu, can you buy me a sports car? (laughs) But when he's 30 years of age, and he's married and has children, his values will probably change drastically. Amen? Because he's come into responsibility. Now it would be something terribly wrong if a 30-year-old will ask me to buy him a toy. Hello? Uh, Let me shock you. There are believers who have been in the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years, 
and they still behave like children, and they still value things that have no real value in the light of eternity. It's a tragedy, folks. It's the saddest thing you can experience in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Father is so gracious and merciful, and He has patience with us, and He works with us, and He doesn't give up on us, and He continues to minister to us until someday we grow up. Amen? Amen. So, as we spiritually mature, our values will change. And what we used to value once, it will no longer be that important anymore. Amen? Amen. So values change as we grow and mature in the Lord. Now, let me share with you, this the Lord gave it to me by revelation, even though I was walking in it for some years, I didn't realize the value and the importance of what I'm going to share with you. A major problem we have in the church today is trying to change the values of the people without helping them to grow. And let me explain. How do we try to change the values of the people? How do most churches or ministers of the gospel try to change the values of the people? We do that by preaching to them from the pulpit what they ought to be doing rather than nurturing them and educate them in the Spirit, until they reach an age of spiritual maturity. Hello? Are you still with me? Instead of what we ought to be doing is to lovingly nurture them and educate them through relational discipleship through relational discipleship. Having said that, listen, I'm not minimizing the importance and the value of the ministry of the Word that comes from the pulpit. It is vitally important, but that alone is not enough. And I've tried that for many years before the Lord encouraged me to try another way of discipling people. We must come to the place. We, as ministers and as spiritually grown-up people, not just pastors and evangelists and apostles and all of that, but spiritually mature place, we must come to the place where we realize the importance of relationships in the church and the value of relational discipleship. Unless we realize that, we will not have people to grow. We must walk with the people, not from the pulpit, but among them. Are you listening to me? We must walk with the people, not from a distance, but from the heart. It makes all of the difference. I have experienced in my own personal ministry in the last few years, and have witnessed the fruit of relational discipleship and the maturity that came to those I personally fathered and discipled in the Lord. 
and I have evidence all around that point to the value and the importance of relational discipleship. A pastor, though, cannot do this with every single one of, of, uh, of uh, people in his congregation, especially when you have a very large congregation. It's impossible for one man to be able to disciple and father and mentor relationally so many people. He needs the help of those who are spiritually mature in the Lord. Without them, the church will not grow and the church will not mature. Why would God entrust us with the precious souls of newborn babes in the Lord if we cannot take care of them? If there are no fathers and mothers around and elder brothers and sisters who are willing to walk with those new converts, why would God bring them to us? Well, you may say, Pastor, but we know so many churches that are packed to capacity. They don't have that many fathers. Sure. That's why you have uh, what they call a baby crash of 2,000 people where you take little infants and babysitters that, that will look after them, or what they call today cell group leaders. I don't have anything against cell group leaders. But you can't take a person and put him through training for six weeks and tell him he's ready to disciple and to relationally mentor that person. Hello? Amen. Paul, in his epistle to the Corinthians, emphasizes once again the value and the importance of spiritual fathers. He says, and I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, from the Passion. For though, although you could have countless babysitters in Christ, he calls them babysitters, or instructors, you know what they call today au pairs that come and look after your children, but they, they don't exercise any authority, they just make sure they don't hurt themselves. You're listening to me. He says to them, though, you could have countless babysitters in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong. You don't have many fathers who correct you in love. But I'm a true father to you, for I became your father when I gave you the gospel and brought you into union with Jesus, the anointed one. So I encourage you, my children, to follow the example that I live before you. That's why I've sent my dear son Timothy, whom I love. He is faithful to the Lord Yahweh and will remind you of how I conduct myself as one who lives in union with Jesus, the Anointed One, and of the teachings that I bring to every church everywhere. You see, the Corinthians, here was the, the problem why the Corinthians were in such a mess, such a carnal state. They didn't have many fathers in the midst but they had all the gifts of the Spirit and all the bells and the whistles. Remember what Paul said to them? You come behind in no spiritual gift. Everybody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. They had prophecies. They had all these wonderful gifts. And a multitude of babysitters or instructors but those instructors could not give them the care and the discipline they needed to grow. Do you see it? 
That's why he says to them, I'm going to send you Timothy, and he calls him my beloved son. It wasn't his natural son. It was his spiritual son who genuinely cared for them and one who would relationally walk with them in a loving relationship, demonstrating before them the ways of Paul. The way Paul walked and Paul worked, who was a true father in the Lord. And listen to how Paul describes Timothy to them. In Philippians 2.19, he says, Yes, I'm trusting in our Lord Jesus that I may send Timothy to you soon so that I can be refreshed when I find out how you're doing. Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your welfare that I carry in my heart. For it seems as though everyone else is busy seeking what is best for themselves instead of the things that are most important to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. What was the outstanding characteristic of Timothy that separated him from every other person? He genuinely cared for the people of God. And as Paul said, he carried the same passion for the welfare that Paul carried in his own heart. That was what set him apart from everyone else. Everyone else, he says, is seeking their own, not, that, not the interests of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Timothy was an exceptional because he was personally mentored and fathered and discipled by a true father. Folks, it makes all the difference. The person who mentors you, the person who influences your life the most, makes all the difference in your life, either for a blessing or for the curse. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 27, verse 23, listen to what it says. A shepherd should pay close attention to the faces of his flock. Why the faces of his flock? Because the face can tell whether they're healthy and strong, whether they are sick or or malnourished. You can tell by the face. So he says, a true shepherd should should pay close attention to the faces of his flock and hold close to his heart. Listen carefully. For me, in my own estimation, the, the ministry of the shepherd is so valuable. You know, I talk to ministers today, and especially up north in Africa, everybody wants to be an apostle, nobody wants to be a pastor. Because they think a pastor is, 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 is a ministry that is far lower than the apostle or the prophet. No, sir. They are all equal and all equally important. And God values them the same way, and we should value them the same way as well. A pastor, he says, holds close to his heart the condition of those he cares for. There has never been a time before when we have so much teaching and preaching at our fingertips, and yet we continue to remain spiritual babes in Christ. 
Never been a time before. You can listen to any sermon you want, on any subject you want, by, the, by your finger. Just, just press the button, go to YouTube, go to any ministry, just press the button and they will minister to you. Fantastic and wonderful sermons that will encourage you. I'm not saying that's wrong. But you know, when I look at the condition of the church, I weep. Despite all of that teaching and preaching, the church is full of spiritual infants. Let me say this. It, this, this, this is the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is what He revealed to me, and He spoke so clearly. It's one thing to be preached to, and it's another to have someone to walk with you, to care for you, to nurture you, and to educate you into spiritual maturity. It's one thing to have a church to go to, but it's another to have a shepherd who walks with you, who cares for you, who prays for you, and when you need it, he corrects and disciplines you in the way of the Lord. Let me say this, there is no substitute for that. No substitute. Jesus gave us the perfect example in developing spiritual people. He lovingly walked with those he called. He drew them to himself, and he wanted them to be with him, not to work for him, not to do ministry, but to be with him. He loved their presence and the fellowship and the relationship he valued far above ministry. That's how Jesus walked. He nurtured them, he cared for them, and in such a loving atmosphere, he developed them and taught them the ways of the kingdom. I think, I think of Paul so often and the heart he had for the church as a whole the agonizing prayers, the sleepless nights he endured on behalf of the church, and the care he so vividly displayed in his epistles. You can see the heart of the Father just, just oozing out of him. Listen to some of his words he wrote to the Thessalonians. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. And then he says to them in Thessalonians again, chapter 2, verse 7, but we were gentle among you, just as the nursing mother cherishes her own children, and so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. What a father, what a shepherd, what a man. What a heart he carried for God's people. Countless of believers today are sitting in packed-to-capacity churches, and they have no one that they can turn to or confide in. Completely disconnected and isolated. They have ample teaching and ample preaching, but no fathering. 
No intimate connection with a spiritually mature person who is willing to take the time, especially the young ones, and walk with them in a loving relationship. I've noticed something. Something happens to people when you show them you genuinely care for them. When they see that care in you, the hearts seem to open up and are ready to receive from you. They have no problem in receiving from you, even when you correct them. Because they know it comes from a heart that loves and genuinely cares for them. And I recall the early days of my spiritual walk with the Lord and the desperate need I had for someone who would walk with me, who would pray with me and encourage me to be able to stand in my faith. I had the hunger and the zeal to grow, but I had no shepherd in the early stages of my walk. Even though I had someone who would preach to me from the pulpit, it added no real value to my faith or to my spiritual development because he lacked the heart of a shepherd. Family, please listen to me with your ears wide open. If you want to grow in the Lord and get out of the babyhood stage and become a mature spiritual adult in the Lord, if you don't have a spiritually mature person whom you trust to shepherd you and carry you in his heart, Ask the Lord to give you one. One who would genuinely care for you in the Lord and care for your spiritual welfare and also for every other facet of your life. We're not just spiritual beings. Those I mentor and disciple, I I talk to them about financial matters. I talk to them about the relationships, especially if they're young ones and they are looking to get married. I get very involved with them because they allow me to. If they don't allow me, then I just push back. You know, I stay back. God doesn't push himself on anyone. Amen? But if you find that person, open up your heart to him and show him that you are listening. Allow him to shepherd you. Amen? Amen. Now, if you do have such a person in your life, and I know many of you have, (laughs) thank God for that person, him or her. Appreciate them and honor them because they are priceless. You can't buy them with money. Only God can give them to you if your heart is ready. Amen? Amen. Even as I'm writing these, uh, as I was preparing my sermon for today, because it's a special day, we're going to appoint or recognize a true father and a true mother that God has brought in our midst. And how I thank God for that. And even as I was preparing these things, the Spirit brought to my remembrance the intimate conversations I had with Stephen when he was going through tough times at his place of work. I recall the emotional 
and the mental strain he was taking as that season of his life was coming to a close. That was in the place of his work. He needed a shepherd. He needed a father figure who would walk with him during this time and and take him through to the other side. And we did. He did come through. But he didn't come through on his own. Sometimes people would look for a shepherd when they hit a crisis. Sometimes it's too late. You should look for that shepherd the moment you get born again. Amen. Because when a crisis hit, that shepherd doesn't know you as he should. You are a stranger to him. And yet the word of God says, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice. They have a relationship. And in fact, you have a genuine shepherd. Most probably he will warn you of the dangers to come because he sees further than you do. Are you listening to me? I recall the countless conversations I had with Michael and the loving correction he often received from me in the spiritual development and formation of the man he is today. And I'm very proud of him. Both my wife and I are so proud of him. The hard decisions he needed help to make because he couldn't make them on his own. And the sacrifices he endured to be where he is today. I remember the frequent calls from Peter Henson during times of crisis and the conversations I had with him over the phone again and again during one of the toughest, toughest years he was experiencing as he took on major responsibilities in his father's business. He would call me often and we would talk sometime for an hour And sometimes all I had to do is just listen. He needed to speak to someone that he could trust. Someone that he knew cared for him and loved him in the Lord. And growing up in the church as a spiritual orphan, I learned the value of true spiritual fathering. I learned that people need something more than just preaching and teaching from the pulpit. They need love and they need care. They need a flesh and bone person who's willing to take the time and walk with them, listen to them, correct them, and disciple them in the ways of the Lord. They need to see someone like that. That's why Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Why? Because the shepherd is with you. Yes, Jesus is our great shepherd, but he has under shepherds. He doesn't come personally to disciple you. 
He sends a man or a woman who's spiritually mature and puts his love in their heart for you for that purpose. And you've got to recognize those men, those women. Amen. It took me years to find my spiritual father. And that took place only after I was released into the ministry. And I was going through such difficult and, and, and horrible persecutions from my own countrymen. I found him in Fort Wayne, Indiana in the United States, 1987. The Lord revealed this to me by revelation. He said, this is your spiritual father. He agonized in prayer so that you could be born again and be sent to the Greek people. And I knew that by revelation when I was sitting before him and listening to him. He believed in me, I recall. He encouraged me. And his letters, because those days we didn't have internet, I was so excited to get just one of his letters. And I would pour over it and read it over and over again. And I found the strength and the encouragement I needed to go on because I had no one else, spiritually speaking, to stand with me. And this man alone opened up a whole new horizon for me. Doors and opportunities and relationships which I carry until this day through that man. Amen. The saddest thing though, folks, and I believe the one that Jesus is saddened the most is that not many are willing to take the high road and walk in such loving relationships. They would rather sit in church year after year, hear sermon after sermon, but they would not allow anyone into their space or into their hearts for that matter. Pastor, you stay in your pulpit. <laughs> Don't mess up my life because I'm so full of myself, I want to do my own thing. Are you listening out there? Young women, young men, Hear carefully what I'm saying to you. You don't know what harm you're doing to yourself if you keep those men or women that God sends into your life to nurture you, to care for you, and you keep them at bay. One day, you're going to pay the price for that. Sooner or later. It may not come now, but it will come later. Amen. Amen. Why? Because they fear intimacy. They fear, and they don't want accountability in the Lord. And they run from it as far as they could get. And these are the people whom Paul regards as those who are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You can say amen to that. Amen. You can read that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. They're always learning. They're always looking for something new. They would go from church to church. What's new? What's happening? And they would follow the signs and the, and the, and the supernatural things, and, and they would go from one church to another. And they always hear these sermons, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth. They never grow up because they hate. They don't like accountability or intimacy. Amen? 
And these are the people whom Paul says they have not embraced the cross. They're full of themselves and fiercely independent. Hello? Amen. Amen. They never take responsibility for anything. And these are the folk that cause divisions and strife in the church. And from such people, the Bible says, walk away from them. Then, of course, there are genuine believers. They have a genuine desire to grow and to mature in the Lord, but they do not trust the spiritual leaders. And they write not to trust them. Hello? Because their leaders have not have not given them the evidence or the reasons to trust them. They're not open with them. They're not transparent with them. They're very secretive, insecure, manipulative, and controlling. Definitely, you don't want to be under such covering. Hello? Thank you. Listen, folks. There are no perfect leaders or shepherds. You won't find them on this earth. But let me tell you this. There are genuine ones. There are genuine ones. Well, those that truly care and love the people they shepherd, and you ask, how will I recognize them? Good question, isn't it? Because Jesus said, beware of wolves coming into with uh, sheep's clothing. How would you recognize them? Well, it's simple. The Bible says, study the lives. Look at the fruit of the ministry. I'm amazed sometimes. Here's a preacher on TV. He preaches so powerfully like an angel, but he doesn't sleep like an angel. And people will follow that person and will listen to him through the internet or maybe write to him, but they won't listen to the shepherd. A person whom they do not know, they have not walked with, they have not studied the fruit of the ministry just because he's a charismatic leader. Hello. Hey, I pray you're learning something today. Amen. Study the lives. Look at the fruit of the ministry. Look at the people they disciple. The families they raise. The relationships they have. Because Jesus said you will know them by the fruits. And so I want to encourage you today, folks, not to draw back from such loving relationships. But take a step of faith and step out of the shadows of fear and insecurity into the light and allow God to take you on a journey to your spiritual development. You will never, ever be the same again. Now let me share with you another another truth, another gem. Believers often ask the wrong questions today because they don't understand the ways of God and the ways of His kingdom. They don't fully understand how God works. They look for the wrong things. Like, where, 
Where is the closest church to my house? Because I don't want to drive half an hour to get to a certain place. So they look for the closest church around the corner from the house. They want to get up early in the morning and drive. They want to just jump out of bed and go to church just to fulfill a religious duty. Or, where can I find a church that has good music? Which is a good thing, isn't it? I want good worship. Often I ask people, why do you go to a certain church? That church is packed to capacity. I say, because I like the worship. That's wonderful. You get ministered to. Or, they look for the church that has a good Sunday school. Are you listening? <laughs> Another one. They have youth programs. And we choose where to go to church based on those things. Now, as a result, they will sit in church Sunday after Sunday for years without ever growing up or maturing in the Lord. What they should be asking is this. Now listen carefully. This is what you should be asking. God, show me where my spiritual family is. Listen carefully. Who is my shepherd? Do you know him? Can you identify him? Do you recognize his voice? Then you should ask, who did you appoint over my spiritual growth and development? One who watches over my soul. Because that's what a shepherd does. The Bible says in Hebrews, he watches over the souls of those whom God committed to his care. And one day, He's going to give an account for every soul that was under his care. Fearful thought that I would give an account for every person that he led to me and set me as a watchman over the spiritual wealthy because that's what a shepherd does. You know, God spoke through Jeremiah in the Old Covenant and promised that he would give his people, listen carefully, shepherds after his own heart who would feed them with wisdom and knowledge. We need shepherds after his own heart who would feed us, not with hype, not with intellectual knowledge, but with wisdom and knowledge as well as nurture us with the loving care of the Father. When Michael came to us years ago, he didn't just come to a church in a building. Listen carefully. <laughs> he came to a person who happened to be the man whom God appointed over his spiritual development. And that made all the difference in his life. If he had come looking for a church in the building. Originally he did, but thank God the Lord opened his eyes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he found a father in this family. 
one who would take an interest in his life and be willing to take the time and walk with him for years in a loving relationship and disciple him. Well, there's the fruit. I recall, and I'm going to mention Nicola now. I pray she forgives me, but I recall years ago when Nicola came to a crossroads in her life. There she is. She's sitting there. She spoke to you about tithing today. She needed to make an important decision which would alter her life and future. Well, she finished her studies at the University of Cape Town and wanted her natural desire wanted to go back home to Durban where her parents were living and the rest of her family. But you know what? She decided to put God first. Amen. And that's what we should always do about every decision we make. You remember that, Nicola? I still remember the verse you gave me. She decided to put God first and pray about it. And in prayer, the Lord didn't say go or stay. Listen, this is how God works in your life. He will not tell you what to do. He will show you His Word and leave that decision to you. But He will never decide for you. You need to understand that. Because some people are waiting for God to make decisions for them. He will never make a decision for you. I hear some people say often through the years, God has chosen this young man for me or this young woman, and that's the one God wants me to marry. Well, you better be sure before you say things like that. Hello? Because if that's the case, that's the one God chose for you, then before you get divorced, you better ask him. Hello? He will give you a selection of young women and men, and he will give you the wisdom to choose wisely. Hello? So the Lord didn't say go or didn't say uh, stay, but the Lord gave her his word. And this is the word he gave to her, Jeremiah 3.15. Because when I asked her, Nicola, what did the Lord say? Because... As she was growing spiritually, now she's got a husband, she can talk to her husband. And that's the way it should be. She would always let me know what goes on in her life. She would always ask for advice and counsel. I recall one time, I don't know, maybe she was going through a difficult time. She, she wanted to go to the United States and study MBA or whatever it was. I said, Nicola, before you pray, you don't make such decisions. So I'm going to send you to Falmouth, I said to her, to her manos, and you stay there for two, three days, fasting and prayer, and when you come back, you tell me what God said. Well, she did. Well, probably that rescued her from making. Who knows what would have happened. Now, she decided to stay in Cape Town because the Lord spoke to her this way, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's what God spoke to her. She didn't say go. He didn't say stay. He gave her this word. And she decided to stay in Cape Town and remain in our church. Why? Because she found a shepherd here. 
She found a spiritual father, one whom she recognized as the one whom God appointed over her spiritual development because he genuinely cared for her. Today, she's a living testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness to her. And in the city of Cape Town, she found the love of her life. He's sitting right there. I said to one of the meetings that I had with kingdom leaders, decisions decide wealth, but decisions also decide misery and sorrow and heartache. She found the love of her life. Of course, she married him. He's sitting right there next to her. And you know what? She also found an excellent company to exercise her gifts and what she had studied uh, for years. And as a bonus, God gave her a bonus too. Not a financial bonus. He brought her parents into the city of Cape Town. These are living examples of what relational discipleship will do for any young man, any young woman, any, any believer. Today, you know, let me say this before I come to the conclusion. We don't join a church. Are you listening to me? You don't choose a church by what Sunday school they have, what worship ministry they have, or uh, maybe a ministry that look after babies or whatever. They may not have that. But you choose a church based on the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit because he knows that where he will lead you, you will find the relationships that you need in your life to help you grow and to help you develop. Amen. Amen. We join a spiritual family. And in that family, you will find the fathers, the mothers, the brothers, and the sisters. And everything that you need. Hello. Some young ladies, especially, they would sit in the church. They would see no young men around saying, oh, I better go to another church where there's young people. So they're looking. They're looking for They don't go to church because they love God. They want to worship Him. They're looking for a young man to catch. Yeah, I've seen it many times. My daughters got married, both of them, at the age of 28 years of age. They never dated. Not because I forced them, because they were brought up with such values. And they protected themselves. So they would come to, Dad, there's no one in our church that's suitable. And then I would say, in faith, just prepare yourself, my girls. Just prepare Just prepare. He's coming. He's coming. And surely he had come. Not one, but two of them. And they're godly people, and they love the Lord, and they're successful. Amen? Amen. So I, I trust you're listening. Today we rejoice. Today we celebrate giving thanks to God because he has blessed us with two wonderful people in Somerset West. They carry the heart of the shepherd for the people they care for. They take the time to help and to minister to them. They have such a heart for young folk 
they can bear witness, they're here today, that they draw young men and young women to themselves. They would spend hours. I mean, Elaine told me the other day she spent two, three hours with, with someone. Wow, only a shepherd can do that, folks. They have no financial remuneration from that. They do it because they love God, and God has graced them with the heart of the shepherd. And so without any further delay, I'm going to ask uh, Hayden and Elaine to come up to the front, please, because we're going to lay hands on them. What are we going to do? We're simply going to recognize what they've already been doing probably for years. Amen? We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.